Hello, and welcome to part one of Video Game Academy's discussion of Little Inferno with Benjamin Kozlowski and Wesley Schantz. Starting up again, it's Wesley Schantz here with Ben Kozlowski. Hello. How's it going, Ben? It's going all right. How are you? All right. And this time we are playing Little Inferno. Um, you are the one who uh, decided this was the game to play next, and I'd never heard of it, but I took you at your word, and it is really awesome, I've got to say. So how did you come across this game? Where did you hear about it? Uh, how did you start? playing it and uh and what is it like are you are you replaying it now or just going off memory um well to answer your first question uh i was following kyle gabler's work back when he was doing world of goo um what is world of goo <laughs> uh it is as magnificent as little inferno i suspect <laughs> um it's this wonderful little game where you build towers as high as you possibly can using goo balls, okay. uh, which are adorable and stick to all sorts of surfaces as well as each other. Um, and the game is like one half a construction game and one half a puzzle game. And like every successive set of levels introduces a new kind of goo ball with new rules that you have to pay attention to, like goo balls that light, light on fire or goo balls that like stick oh. to weird surfaces or goo balls that actually like aren't sticky at all and just will rotate or collapse if you don't build them properly. Um, oh. But I was really enamored with. Uh, his art style um, and his very strange kind of morbid sense of humor um, just from the start like world of goo was all about these goo balls trying to explore new worlds and it had this surprising level of optimism paired with that again morbid sense of humor um, and a, an occasionally biting social commentary um, so when I was when I was Poking around Steam one day, I noticed that there was a new game released with that same art style, very distinctive, called Little Inferno. Um, so I picked it up, like, right on the spot. One of my indie impulse buys, which I get, like, two or three a year. Um, and I love it. Uh, like, more even than World of Goo, I keep coming back to Little Inferno. Um, and it's sort of become tradition that every year for a while there when I was at Boston College and then again when I was at the seminary every year when final exam time came around that was the game I would play to unwind um, just because it was short simple did not require a huge time commitment or attention commitment and was also viscerally satisfying okay. <laughs> insofar as the main you know interaction you have with it is setting things on fire um, <laughs> all without having to worry about actually losing anything precious to you <laughs> yeah does it actually destroy one of your um when you when you choose one of your photos uh to burn does it actually delete it off of your phone it does not okay. um it just duplicates it for the purposes of watching it burn in the game. So, you know, you do not have to worry about your game running away and deleting anything. It is perfectly benign, very self-contained. Because that's, um, 
that's one of the first moments when I was like, okay, this is actually like really interesting. Um, there's, there's several that struck me playing just through the first couple of catalogs here, but, um, but that was probably the most, like, I really kind of froze like, wait, do I, do I get to keep the, the photo that I wore? Like I had to agonize over which photo to, uh, to choose. And I was like, oh, they can't possibly like delete a photo from, but like, I didn't read the terms and conditions. Like, I don't know. <laughs> my stuff yeah. if I choose it, you know, so, uh, so yeah, I thought that, was, that was very interesting um, and, and unsettling. <laughs> yeah, unsettling is a good word for this game. Um, there are a lot of moments like that where it will sort of challenge and question your decisions and how wantonly you are willing to destroy everything that it throws at you. Um, there, there are a lot of, a lot of good moments like that. Uh, and that one's one of the best. Like it, it definitely sort of sort of makes you aware makes you a part of it makes you complicit um like like it's all fun and games while you're burning stuff that it just you know throws at you but it's another thing when it's actually something that means something like it you, you've got that whole list of pictures and in all likelihood it's you know you and your loved ones and <laughs> little inferno is like hey chuck that in the fire i bet it burns real nice yeah, and and so the uh, well, just to like overview a little bit here, step back and like give a bit of a summary of of this game, kind of like you did for uh, World of Goo, if I've got that right. So the game seems to be like you um, have this fireplace, you get this mysterious letter saying congratulations on your fireplace, right? And then it's like right. touch anywhere to burn, and so you're just yeah. burning stuff, and and it like it's very congratulatory about everything everything like you said you, you you far from being concerned about burning things you're encouraged to just be like gung-ho and like have a have at it you know see right. see how much you can burn and it seems like you know at the same time it, it, it wants to stress that you shouldn't worry about um you know playing with fire that's of course dangerous but but we're told very early on there's something even more dangerous and we aren't told yet what that is but um i guess you're sort of encouraged to just um embrace the warmth uh, of the fire and not worry so much about the the potential dangers of it and and the gameplay is really smooth like you just uh, you drag and drop things you um, touch the screen anywhere you want to uh, kindle a little flame and kind of like that the title screen flame it seems like you have unlimited matches or whatever it is that you're doing mm -hmm. to to spontaneously combust things you, you that's one thing that is not in any way scarce, um, which I thought, again, like that's kind of weird. What's going on with that? Um, so there's there's clearly like some kind of story hovering in the background here. And um, it has to do with physics and mechanics of the game. It's very implicated in sort of the activities, um, but it's it's just very cerebral too. When you stop and kind of think about what's going on, if you, know, if you can break the laws of thermodynamics in that way, then this is kind of a weird little world we're in here. Yeah, there there are a lot of sort of questions that come up, um, and a few that the the game sort of teases in its own right. Um, like you meet a, a fair a fair number of strange characters through the letters that get delivered to your door, um, and you know you open the first one and it's from Miss Nancy, the the proprietor of Tomorrow Corporation, who is congratulating you on your little Inferno Entertainment fireplace, as she says. Um, and then you get the one from your from Sugar Plumps, who is apparently a fellow Little Inferno owner, um, who is equally excited about the prospect of burning all of her things. 
um, and occasionally hits you up for requests when she can't get a certain item. So right. like she she tells she asks you for the fireflies and you have to like append it to the to the mail. And then she receives it and sends you back stuff. Like I think she sends a paper heart at one point and a thermometer and a picture of herself. Um, so, you know, you're engaging with these characters on this sort of like one directional manner. You, you receive without responding in most cases that you do occasionally get the, get the opportunity to like send something back. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you know, there is, there is a sort of darkness surrounding everything that's going on. Like on the one hand, you've got this weird rule where um, like every time that you burn something, uh, you actually get more money back than you spent on the thing in the first place. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's anti-entropy in a way. It is. But at the same time, you'll notice that a lot of those characters in their, e- in their letters will say, this can't last forever, can it? Um, yeah, there has this, to be an end at some point. Yeah. yeah, they keep suggesting that, you know, here we are in this robust, wonderful world of like all of this crazy stuff to burn and just this sort of uh, snowballing means to keep buying and burning. Um, but at the same time, they keep suggesting, you know, this has to end eventually, right? Like, the, it's always with a question mark, like, are we sure this can't go on forever? It seems like it can go on forever. I did the math. It sounds like we can go on forever. But really, really, is that the case? Um, and I think that that's, especially in the context like of, of how it presents itself, um, it's, it's so excited to be here. Um, like with the, the cheery little music every time that you open up the, the catalog, which sounds like it's straight off the home shopping network yeah. or, you know, a, a Billy Mays infomercial. Um, you, you, you get this sort of like really excited supermarket vibe as you're picking out what you're going to burn next. Um, and, you know, buying new stuff unlocks new stuff. So the more you purchase, the more you get, the bigger the game becomes. Um, which again feeds into that anti-entropy cycle, which doesn't seem to make sense, but is sort of suggested to be less than infinite, even so. Yeah, yeah. There's there's this kind of uh, frantic quality to the game. Like there isn't any reason for it really, because like you say, you're gonna make plenty of money. There's sort of like infinite little spiders that'll come down if you wait long enough. Um, as far as I can tell, right? They'll just sort of mm-hmm. give you free yeah. money if you get stuck or whatever, somebody's bound to send you something to burn and, and you'll be back moving again. But nevertheless, there's this kind of like urgency to it. Um, yeah. And and it's really, yeah, I think it's it's really interesting how it connects with the uh, the aesthetic of the game, right? It's like, it's so quiet and so empty at first. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when stuff starts burning, it's just like, you just want it to keep going. You want to keep adding stuff and see, how much you can burn and how quickly you can, you know, and how big your fire can get. And um, it's just really, it's really freaking fun. Uh, (laughs) And then, you know, some, everything you burn sort of has a different little animation that it'll do too, right? You start to Mm -hmm. maybe notice, um, you know, that things that have wheels on them will, will slide, you know, or roll back and forth rather and things that are metallic, um, interacted with different ways and with that weird sort of emblem that's on the back of the fireplace, um, which is one of the very first mysteries. Like you want to somehow interact with that thing, but you can't seem to do it right away. 
Right. Um, it's apparently like a, a set of gears. It reminds me if you ever saw Howl's Moving Castle. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if he's in the book, but in the movie anyway, uh, the Studio Ghibli movie, there's this character, Calcifer, mm -hmm. who's, who's like the spirit of the fireplace, right? And sort of the soul of the building. And, and you know, that, that's a really old idea, that this idea of like the hearth and, and the, the spirit of the, the home sort of residing there. Um, so whatever that thing is in the background, that seems to be connected with this like implied notion that there's some kind of goal here. There's some kind of end that you're, you're shooting for. Um, yeah. But, but anyway, you know, so you can't seem to do anything with that, but you do get lots of cool little combos, right? Like yep. if you burn multiple things, you're likely as not, they're going to give you a bonus for doing so and, and name it. And it's very, it's just very satisfying, man. The pirate yep. um, on a bike combo, like you discover accidentally because they're like two things that you buy next to each other. Mm -hmm. But then you're like, oh, wait, like there's this whole long list of like a hundred combos. I'm going to find all of these. It'll be awesome. <laughs> yep. Um, and it's it's neat how how little it has to push you to to do this stuff too. Like yeah. the, there's no tutorial moment. There's no hey. There's also this list of combos. Like you get the bike and the pirate right next to each other, so it sort of naturally falls into place. You get like one little hint from Sugar Plums where she's like, hey, try this particular combination, and that's it. Yeah. Um, there's there's no other indication for like what the combos do, but you'll remember what do you get when you do a combo? Um, the uh, little stamps come out. Yeah, uh, and then he can make things appear faster. And I think it, you have to do enough combos and burn everything to to get a new catalog, right? Yes, you have a certain requisite number of combos you have to complete, and you've got to burn everything in the last com in the last catalog to be able to unlock the next one. And then, of course, there's like a fee, which at that point usually isn't a huge problem. But those right. are the three criteria you have to meet to unlock each successive catalog. Um, but the stamps, the stamps, like I want to dwell on for a bit because. <laughs> One of the things that Little Inferno is doing, um, in addition to sort of its interesting story and bleak outlook and setting, um, one of the things that it's definitely doing is satirizing other phone games. Um, so, you know, there's there's been a glut, uh, and there was at the time that Little Inferno was released, I think back in like 2011, and it continues to this day where you get all of these little free-to-play phone games that... Um, in, instead of you know charging a set fee up front like Little Inferno does with its little $5 buy-in, um, instead it's like, hey, you can play this game for free, but you're only going to make it a certain distance before you really need to pay to, to, con to continue. Um, so what they'll, what they'll do is they'll charge you by your patience. Um, what, what they'll do is like, it was a famous example of EA butchering this mechanic with an old Dungeon Keeper phone game where it was like in order to dig the next area, you had to pay some in-game currency, like pay $3 and then you can do it. Um, and, and a lot of phone games work on this model where it's like you can get you can always start the game for free. You can always get a certain degree for free. You can maybe even play the game forever for free, like Farmville, but it's going to be way faster and way easier if you just drop some money in. Um, so, you know, the, the, the model is we will pit your wallet against your patience. 
Um, and I think Little Inferno with the stamps is actually sort of, sort of satirizing that mechanic. Um, that here you are in this world where once again you are presented with you know all this fun stuff to do and all this new stuff to unlock, but every now and again you're waiting for that TV to show up and it's going to be a whole two and a half minutes. <laughs> um, now you could sit there and watch the little bar tick down, or maybe set fire to some of the other stuff you're hanging out with in your inventory, or you can drop some of those stamps. Yeah. Um, but unlike you know all those duplicitous phone games with their with their patience testing financial mechanics, Little Inferno never requires you to drop money. Like it will never ask you for another dollar. It will never ask you for anything. It will provide you with those stamps for free um, through the combos that you do, and then you can use them whenever you want. Um, is there any incentive for for stacking them up? Like, does it? Is there anything to be gained by hoarding up um, stamps or money for that matter? Like, yeah, um, the the couple of things that you can do with with the coins, with the little money that each item drops. Um, like, there are once you get the second catalog, I think you unlock the ability to to expand your inventory. Oh yeah. Um, like, there's a little plus sign over to the right side of where you keep your stuff. Um, like there's this great message that if you buy too many things, like if your inventory is full up and you try and buy something else, it'll be like, um, sorry, you need to burn some of the things you've already got before you can, <laughs> before you can buy any more. And then the button for yes is, I'm sorry, I got too excited. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> like it's the little kid who's just like stuffing ice cream cake into his mouth too fast. And you know, <laughs> the mom is telling him, all right, slow down, come on. Um, like it's got this little message. So again, that's one of the few restrictions on this game. Like you have to have enough money to buy the item and you've got to wait for it to show up using stamps if necessary. But also if your inventory is too small, you can't hold on to all your stuff. And especially when you're building up some of those complex combos, you know, you need these three items. Oh. You're trying to build a couple more things there. So, so saving up some money to occasionally expand your inventory is, is the one other sort of investment you can make. Hmm. But, but as far as the stamps go, really it's open season. Um, each stamp will take 30 seconds off of one of your incoming orders. Um, and whilst the later catalogs have stuff that tends to take longer to show up, um, that's really the only, the only thing that you're ever going to spend stamps on. Um, so do not feel obligated to to accumulate them feel free to just blow them off as you see fit yeah there's also like there's a little star i think that appears when like and there's a that cheering um sound effect when you Mm -hmm. gain a combo um but again like the combos seem to be sort of this extra frilly thing uh you need a certain number of them but you don't have to like complete them in any um sort of definite sense to, to progress. It's just like something fun and again, sort of arbitrary, like the the pirate on the bike. It's like, I just, I just adore that. Like, it's so silly. Um, and each of those things, you know, is such a, it's such a resonant kind of a toy also that you get to burn. And when you burn them together, it's, it's better than burning them apart somehow. Yeah. Uh, there's like a story there, you know, um, implied in that. And, and again, that seems to be sort of what the game wants to draw your attention to in these little ways, um, interspersed with all of the, 
the pyrotechnics, you, you get these little bits and dribbles of like something something weird's going on, right? Like, yeah, you get your um, your your messages um, that come in the mail, but then there's also the uh, the pretty involved video. Uh, yes. I think I've only found one video so far. Yeah, um, it's the uh, only one in the game, so don't oh, go looking for more. But oh gosh, um, <laughs> it's it's a trip though. Um, <laughs> so you can you can rewatch it, of course, but I don't I don't know that you'd want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I I watch it every time I go through the game, and occasionally see it again just to sort of like pick it apart. But um, it, it's it's just like it's the one little bit of of set dressing the one little bit of, of world building that the game indulges in besides the things that you can you know actually burn and those are only sort of tangentially pointing at what the world is like where you are but the videos is as explicit as it gets uh, and i again i love the sort of almost hyper consumerized to the point of absurdity tone that it takes where again it's like this smarmy salesman type guy like, hey, kids, you know what's more fun than playing with your toys? Setting them on fire. Like, <laughs> he's just so excited about it. Um, and, you know, you watch the video and it very much comes off as like this 90s commercial for kids' toys oh, yeah. um, where the Little Inferno Entertainment Fireplace is, you know, the, the fancy new gotta have Christmas gift of the year or whatever you want to sort of connect it to. But, you know, halfway through that video, it turns dark oh yeah um where you know it, it's sort of it points it, i think the line is like but way up in the sky it's been snowing for years and we just don't know why yes. um and it's like there's something ominous about it there's something ominous about the world that you are inhabiting at this point in time and the solution he prescribes is burn all of your toys and stay warm. <laughs> Which, like, if there isn't a more chilling image in a throwaway $5 game, I would be hard-pressed to find it. Like, the game is sort of posing this situation where you are a child staving off, you know, hypothermia by successively burning all of your toys one at a time in your you know co corporate made entertainment fireplace um so you know i think it's kind of fascinating how grim it is and yet how the solution to the grimness is again this sort of huge corporate indulgence like just keep buying stuff just keep buying stuff just keep burning it all just keep getting the money and cycling it through, doing it over and over again. And that's what's going to keep you going. That's right. Um, that's like, right. it's a sort of horrific parody of just like this sort of American consumerism where it's just, we're going to buy stuff and buy stuff and buy stuff. And when the, when the scientists tell us that our world is doomed, then we're going to solve it by, you know, going to McDonald's and buying a smoothie and forgetting about it. Like <laughs> that's, that's the best answer we've got. These problems are way bigger than us. And therefore the only thing that we can do is shop therapy. Like uh -huh, uh -huh. it's and, well, the game. I mean, the game itself seems to be self-consciously feeding into that. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, you could go and buy something at a store, but it's way easier to buy something on your phone. Yep. Uh, it's immediate. You have it right there. It's, it is highly distracting. It's delightful, but it's, it's distraction is such that it, 
sort of reminds you of what it is you're being distracted from, right? Like mm -hmm. that, that deeper sort of philosophical problem, but also just something as innocuous as making you look at your photos briefly there and, and sort yeah. of like actually look at them in a way that maybe you wouldn't otherwise. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I can see the appeal here. Uh, I can see why this game is one that you've come back to for, you know, almost a decade now. I didn't realize it was this old. Honestly, yeah. I thought it was much newer. It, uh, it's, it, held, it has held up well. It has. It absolutely has. Um, and, you know, again, that very distinctive art style yeah. makes it so, you know, the, the gradual increase in graphics has had no effect on it. Um, and the fact that it is so minimalistic, like it is just you staring at a fireplace, watching things burn, you know, time after time after time means that you really don't have to worry about like major changes in graphics development or, you know, slowdowns because of patching and stuff like that. It just keeps on going. And the, uh, well, the, the go back to the video though, there's something also about that salesman. He's present as this, um, sort of hand, mm -hmm. right? This, really vile like claw uh also somehow like boneless in a, in a different way uh it just yeah and it just sort of like pops in from from either side of the screen really um it's the same hand that seems to be holding that that match that never burns out in the title mm -hmm. screen and it's also what you're doing as you play the game which is like touching the screen in all these different places so, so that's really uh, disturbing to me, that, that whole sort of like meta thing that it's doing there. Um, but also at the end of the video, the, the characters that you can see, uh, they, they just, their house is burned down and then they like explode. Yep. They, they are also burned up uh, in, the, in the general conflagration there. And uh, there's no indication that that's like within the, context of the game and animation that's like something that they did to these child actors is what is what it seems like to me it's like that's awful right <laughs> that um, uh, the, the this entertainment business like consumes people yes yeah. and you know it is like by the end of that video it is just screaming and burning like just <laughs> incomprehensible and just horrifying and it just sort of leans into it and then like you get the screaming you get the burning and then the kids they're literally laughing as they explode like oh gosh, yeah. you can hear the child voices like cheering for more um as you know their house is burned down around them and you've just got this one little chimney like reaching up to the sky with the you know fireplace still there yeah. um it is really disconcerting and really ominous um and sort of like, you know, again, for all of that solution, like the world is doomed, but forget about it. Just burn your stuff and stay warm. It's like, yeah, that's not going to be a solution. <laughs> At the end of the day, like that's self-destruction. Um, you're just ushering the end on faster, um, which again is sort of what those characters keep talking about in their, in their letters. Like surely this can't last forever. Like there has to be an end point. There has to be a real cost. Um, yeah. so, you know, even as the game says, you know, push forward, rush through it, get your stuff as quickly as possible. Don't think, keep burning. At the end of the day, it's like, no, no, one of these days you're not going to be able to do it anymore. Like it's going to stop. Um, and who knows what that's going to look like. It's not going to be good. 
the uh, I mean, the, there's hints of this as you as you're burning stuff. Um, I don't know, like maybe you don't care too much about spiders, but you do. Like right. they have little they have little eyes. They're looking at you, and you burn them, and they spit out money for some reason. Um, but then I think a lot worse than that is the uh, well. We mentioned the photo. Uh, that's mm -hmm. not so bad, really, because yeah, like you say, it doesn't actually go away. But the, there's also the school bus. Yeah. I think the school bus is the first one where I was like, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> yes. as, as far as the, the commodities in-game, you know, proper, um, that was, uh, really, you, you see, you're like, wait, like, what did, what, did just, what did it just do to those kids on that bus? Um, were there kids on that bus? <laughs> <laughs> that was really quite uh, realistic. Um, uh, the, the sound of their um, their terror. I mean, it's like that's shocking. Um, yeah, stop and think about it. So, and again, you know, if you if you look closely at the bus, it's it's the disembodied hands at the wheel. Oh gosh, um, yeah, that that same hand that you uh, that freaked you out when we were looking through the video that that's holding the unburned match. Like it's the same thing. You can see him sort of like picking at the wheel, like he doesn't even know how to drive properly. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, you set the bus on fire and the screaming starts and it drives to one end of the, of the fireplace and then it just explodes and it's <laughs> yeah. over. Like everyone dies. Um, it, it is horrifying. Like it is a sort of very dark, very uncomfortable wake up call that, you know, you're burning like flowers and, and the spider eggs and the bricks and, and then the bus. Yeah. Um, and like one of the things I did want to draw attention to one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about this game was I think that there, that the way that this game does theme is actually through the things you burn. Uh -huh. um, that there, there are, there's another component to the game, which we will talk about when we get to it. But um, for the most part, like you will find that there are certain patterns to the things that you burn things that things that come up fairly frequently. Um, like even in the first catalog, you get the blocks, you get the bricks, and then in the second catalog, you get a different set of blocks and building, you know, it, it's reinforced pretty consistently. Um, in, in that first catalog, you get one of the combos that you have to get is like the lenders combo. And it's, you burn somebody else's credit card with the bank. Um, Which has a weird name. What is the name of the bank? It's like the, the so-and-so machine or something. It's like... Yeah. It's called the Blankety Bank. Like I have Blankety Bank. Okay. Yep. Um, and one of the things that I find hilarious about the bank is it's got this like coin up at the top, and when you set the bank on fire, the coin spins, and you have a fifty percent chance of it spitting out all bunch whole bunch of money, which will then burn. But you also have a fifty percent chance of nothing happening, and it just goes meh, meh, and you're done. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. So, I mean, so the bank, the idea of lending of um you know this being somebody else's right stuff mm -hmm. and pictures and and family um they look familiar i think it says when when you look at the description of it uh, right yeah the more you, you look at it the more they look familiar <laughs> yeah yeah uh, of course the school bus um and and so those kinds of toys which like have a powerful you know sort of charge of emotion bound up with them um, even though they're, you know, ostensibly not really yours, you've just like sent away for them. Right. Um, but it sort of begs the question, like who you are again, in a different way from the hand, which is also, by the way, the same creepy hand that pops up in the, um, 
the little toilet room in the oh. stock <laughs> like yeah that guy was yeah, it's basically the same one <laughs> the hand gets around um, yeah it's a, like there's a there's a weird you know there's a weird interaction with this this person sugar plumps who like somehow can contact you and and i think she eventually says that she's your neighbor uh yeah. she thinks that you she, guys she pounds on the wall like you <laughs> see the dust sort of fly off of your fireplace and she's like i'm right here yeah um, yeah so so she's like breaking the fourth wall in that in that kind of way too but like you know, so it's like the history of this person, this character, as you say, is is like for you to sort of uncover through the objects that you burn, through the sort of motivations that you feel, through your different emotions and different level of involvement. Um, there's also like a kind of anonymity to them, right? There's sort of this every person. Mm-hmm. Um, they get these sort of like broadcast messages from the from the Tomorrow Corporation and from the uh, the weathermen too. Mm-hmm. who's a weird sort of like you know is he real is he uh is he good is he evil like i i don't know quite what to do with the weatherman just yet um yeah since he seems to be reporting on this this uh this blizzard which has been going on forever um but anyway he seems to like transcend a lot of the buying and selling also so uh, yeah He's one of the few characters not wrapped up in it i'm really curious yet yeah, to sort of get to know a little more about him too but but just like, you know, the the dynamic of, of communication, the way it's built into the game, I find very interesting too. Um, that you like, you don't get to really initiate communication, but you get to sort of respond to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, that strikes me as being sort of deeply true in a way. Um, yeah, especially yeah. as something that you interact with on your phone, I think. <laughs> <laughs> like, we, we, we do so much social media consumption, like, and again, it is sort of something that we think of ourselves as consuming. That people like de- delete their Facebook accounts so they will stop spending so much time just scrolling through Facebook. Yeah. Um, and again, you have this this indie, all of these characters you only interact with when they want to, when they send you their letters. Um, like with the exception of you know you buying a couple of things for for sugar plums, most of the messages you receive are just a bunch of sheets of paper that you just flip through on your way to burning the next thing. And of course you burn them after you read them. <laughs> well, can you even read the first set of instructions? No, there I is no way. How. Yeah. Like, like it has the terms and conditions and instructions and literally all you can do is stick them in the fireplace and burn them. <laughs> um, like if you try and read them, like you can see them a little bit. Like I, I play on my desktop so I, I can wow. I get a slightly higher resolution but like half of the terms and conditions are redacted. <laughs> like you, you wouldn't even be able to read them if you had access to them. Like the whole thing is just blacked out. Um, <laughs> All right. So, so where, where do you go with this? Like, as far as um, the story of this game, I, I feel like it might be a little bit like missing the point to dwell on it too much. Um, but, but the way that it's sort of baked into the activity of the game does seem to be like pretty brilliant. Like, I don't know that I would be as compelled to play this game if it was just, you know, a bunch of sort of colorful things um, that were lit on fire. Somehow mm-hmm. having that kind of weird, almost Edward Scissorhands like aesthetic to it, um, and like sort of these patterns, you know, built into the, the things you burn, that really adds to, for me, that adds to the like 
the urge, the desire to like keep playing this game. Yeah. Find out what's going on. Well, plus, you know, the, the things that you burn more often than not interact. Like it's more yeah. than just you watch them burn. I mean, some of them are downright hilarious. Like I love the wooden space heater <laughs> that, you know, you don't even have to set it on fire. It'll just eventually set itself on fire. I didn't notice it was made of wood. That's great. Yeah. I think it says, uh, like the description of the object is now made with 30% drier wood. <laughs> <laughs> Um, or, you know, you, you have, uh, like the, the dragon or the tiki torch where you set them on fire and they like spit their own fire in the process yes. or the bus driving across and exploding or, or, you know, like the, the, the corn on the cob, you set it on fire and it turns into popcorn and then like the, the kernels will, will also burn. Um, like it, it's, there's a kinesthetic pleasure just to, you know, setting them on fire and watching the animations go, like seeing what will this do? Um, and a, a couple of the items will interact with you even without burning them. Like if you get um, like a lot in the second catalog, like the stuffed animals and stuff, mm-hmm. they all have these eyes and they'll follow your cursor around as you move it. Oh. Like, like they're a little nervous, like, Hey, Hey, <laughs> what you're getting a little close with that, that fire start. Thing there. <laughs> um, and you know, what, one of the things that I do find like really fascinating, especially about the second catalog, is that it's the totally recalled toys catalog. <laughs> and like half of the things in the catalog are just outright stupidly dangerous. <laughs> um, like again, you've got the the wooden space heater, which is obviously like crazy in so far as it sets itself on fire. You've got the little the little joke snake container, like. Only instead of spitting out like a foam snake to to prank someone, it throws out syringes. Oh my gosh. Sort of mysterious green liquid. Um, Yeah, like there's just so many things in this in this catalog that are sort of like riffs on childhood, but with a really dark or dangerous edge to them. Like even the light bulbs are just, you know, they're they're very eminently breakable. Like you, you can just toss them up in the fireplace and they'll fall and shatter. And again, the description there is causes more puncture wounds than the leading brand. So, so a lot of these objects are just like scary in, in the hands of children. Like these are meant to be toys, but they are bad toys, toys that no one should have things that are correct to burn. Um, like a couple of them explode the one like the gnome thing falls apart and like poisons everything around it so it like decays (laughs) there's the cat which like you set it on fire and it just poops all over (laughs) the fireplace um like it's just it's weird and bizarre and uncomfortable and again like thinking of these things in the hands of kids you're just like you're just like cringing to think of it um so i mean i think there's a weird way that this game is sort of like allowing you to play out certain things which would be dangerous or stupid to do in real life Mm -hmm. um but in another way i feel like it sort of encourages you to be more observant of real life also right like you know like how (laughs) however dangerous things um may be or may not be like a lot of that has to do with our own sort of circumspection about using them mm-hmm. or, or lack thereof, right? Like, 
there's, there's very few things more dangerous than a school bus full of children when operated improperly, right? right. There's very few things that are safer when, you know, driven with care and, and you know, concern and love. Uh, I just, yeah, like, I don't know, like everyone has to deal with syringes at some point. <laughs> yep. It's just a matter of doing it safely and, you know, keeping that, that puncture wound to yourself. Um, <laughs> You've got to go in for, you know, a doctor's appointment or whatever, right? So it's like, there's a weird way in which it, it sort of draws attention to like the the thingy nature of things, but also like your your responsibility for using them properly or yeah. not. <laughs> which I which I think is what makes the satire part of this game so poignant. Like that's what satire is supposed to do. Yeah. It's supposed to be funny and it is supposed to be entertaining, but it also is supposed to make you think twice about the things you take for granted. Yeah. Um, like consumerism. Like just shop therapy like you know just unthinkingly buying the next round of whatever phone game you're playing <laughs> um like the the game is actively leaning into this sort of absurd consumerism for the sake of making you aware of your own habits making yes. you aware of your own role in that system and with that i mean i laughed out loud a lot with this game but it I mean, it really shook me also. Um, it, it, it elicits powerfully the sort of this range of emotions that's, I mean, surprise, like there's a certain, even like awe and almost like mystery that you get with some of it too. I think, I think it would be important to talk about the music a little bit here too. Mm -hmm. um, like my, my emotional response to games, you know, like laughter and stuff like that is, is a powerful one that I really enjoy. Um, and that usually comes from dialogue or like just absurd you know, circumstances and, and situations and that mm -hmm. kind of kinesthetic thing. But a lot of the emotion also comes from the music. Um, that's what really, I think, uh, helped draw me into this game right away too, was was the use of music, but also silence, I guess. Yeah. Um, and, and then I guess the sound effects, you know, play into that as well. But but there's some really haunting music in this. Um, is that also the same guy, this, the artist who drew everything and, and designed it? Did he make up the music too? Yeah, Kyle Gabler is a one-man show and has wow. done the programming, the, the animation, and the music for, I think, both World of Goo and Tomorrow Corporation, as well as the two newer games that he's made, although I think he's gotten some help. I think it's a two-man studio huh. um, at the time of Little Inferno. But, but, I mean, in addition, just, you know, side note, the soundtrack is available for free on the website. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, I've downloaded it because I too think that it's very powerful, very haunting, um, subtle, and yet like profound in its way. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, again, like you say, the silence is such a crucial component of Little Inferno, especially. Like in World of Goose, there was always music playing, and some of it is truly fantastic. Um, but in Little Inferno, you know, 90% of the time, the only sound you'll be hearing is the warm, fuzzy crackling of the fires that you set, <laughs> along with whatever sound effects are being played by whatever items you're burning. Um, the only time music plays is when you get letters, um, or when you're watching a video, or when you've just started up the game. Um, so instead of, instead of assigning you know, themes to levels like you would find in a Mario game or in a Zelda dungeon, um, instead, the music is assigned to characters, um, and you'll hear the same theme played every time you get a letter from Sugar Plumps, although it changes over the course of the game. Oh. The same is true with Miss Nancy, and the same is true with the Weatherman. Yeah. Um, so keep an eye out for those. I will. I will try. I mean, it's hard. To, again, it's like it's hard to 
take in everything that's going on. I feel like yeah. this is definitely a game that rewards replaying. Uh, and it, it sort of encourages it too by being so, you know, short and um, so easy to kind of pick up and just play and then just sort of stop, you know. Mm -hmm. no, I love that about, you know, that it's a brilliant phone game. Um, it's sort of about phone games, but it just in its own right, like it's, it's actually really fun uh, and addictive. Yep. It's dangerous. <laughs> exactly. It warns you. The very first thing that happens when you boot it up is it warns you that it's not to play with fire, right? Right. Uh, and then proceeds to just like indulge that to the nth degree. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. It's 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 a wily one. This game. Yep. All right. Uh, well, so um, as far as the first two catalogs, I. Uh, I will I will continue on. I think I got to the third catalog. I don't really remember a lot of the second though. The second catalog, a lot of that's just a blur. Um, yeah. So I'll probably have to redo that a little. Uh, if for next time, how far should we try to get? I would say get as far as um, the sixth catalog. So either like finish the fifth or get as far as you feel like getting through the sixth. Okay. Um, so there are seven total. Um, and then there's some end game stuff that we're going to want to talk about. So uh, okay. that's why I'm not you know, doing a little extra on this round. Yeah. Um, but yeah, five or six, that's, that's about what I figure. And that should give us plenty to talk about uh, as far as the development of the characters, the story, and all of the sort of thematic things there are to burn between now and then. All right on. Okay. All right. So uh, we'll, we'll re regather in a week's time or so. Um, so for now, the, the little Inferno, uh, we, we draw to a close here. Little Dante, Little Virgil are going their separate ways, but we'll 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 meet again. All right, thanks again, Ben. Thank you, Wes. See ya. Bye. Thanks for listening to our discussion of Little Inferno. A special thanks to Tomorrow Corporation for letting us use their music whenever it was appropriate. For more content like this, or if you just want to follow our progress, please visit us at videogameacademia.wordpress.com.